for something, something never comes, never leads to nothing, nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, I dream of the day when it comes around and it's taken away, leaves me with the feeling that I feel the most, feel it come to life when I see your ghost. Closer to the prize at the end of the rope All night long I dream of the day When it comes around and it's taken away Leaves me with the feeling that I feel the most Feel it come to life when I see your ghost Then I'm done, done, all of the next one done Done and on to the next one done Done and on to the next one done
Ja. Everybody, this is Vinny Bucci, aka the Booch, and welcome to the Booch Cast. This week's episode is entitled Alligators Are Ornery because I got all them teeth but no toothbrush. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're going to find out in a little bit why we chose that title. But before we get into the show, I do have to introduce the man that will be joining me. But I cannot, in good conscience, bring him on the show yet until I play the three most exquisite instruments in the history of the Boochcast. Lutes. Vials. Irritating little crumb horns. Gaze at the person across from you now. Feel the sweet spark of connection. If you don't screw up this moment somehow, maybe you won't die alone. Don't be too needy or bring up your ex. Don't say the words, her peace and Don't ever mention you've never had sex. Trust me, I promise she knows And now her defenses are starting to fall Smile and return her affection If you don't manage to ruin it all Maybe you won't die That's right, ladies and gentlemen, back here on the Boochcast, he's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now, he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the Boochcast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, beauty dudes? This is me, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott, genius speaking. I'm not that broke yet. I hate that song. <laughs> Anyways, Vinny, how you been doing? I've been doing great, and you know you like it. I see you smiling when the show is on. Uh, no, I don't. I find it incredibly salty, but not always, because it's somewhat true. But we're not going to talk about that right now, because we got a lot of things we got to talk about. Evidently, we all know what we're going to talk about. Vinny, you've been seeing on Facebook, all over the internet, at the Oscars, somebody got their feelings hurt. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Okay, I'll I'm gonna do this personally after reading about it and everything else is this. This got played way out of proportion. At first Chris Rock is making fun of Will Smith's fun. Will Smith's laughing. Ha 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 ha. All of a sudden his um, wife looks up go over and smacks him. Chris Rock you oops. Will Smith you just won an Oscar. Your very first one. Congratulations. You want to throw away all, all over this? So Will Smith. Well I'm gonna get eat a little bit here because I am hungry. May God have mercy on your soul. Vinny go ahead. Okay. I saw this. I've been seeing multiple videos about it. I have, uh, it kind of 
just came at me and this is one of those things where when you first see it you think it's gonna be a bit you're waiting for the joke you're waiting for the punchline and then you find out there is no joke there is no punchline will legitimately slap chris rock will wanted to slap chris rock and at the end of the day this is the most disgraceful thing to ever happen and there's some people out there that are actually saying that this is staged this is a work and you know some people even thought it was a great like marketing strategy or whatever here's the thing if all that is true let's just say for a second that that's all true they planned this this was a work this was a marketing decision this is a way to get people to watch the oscars if there is any truth to that then will smith chris rock and the entire academy are the dumbest fucking people on earth because here's why will smith has completely tarnished his legacy because all people are going to remember is how classless he was and the fact that he slapped Chris Rock and basically got away with it. Now granted, Chris Rock didn't press charges, but this is a man who slapped Chris Rock in the face, turned around, walked back to his seat, cussed him out, and everyone at the academy did nothing. No security was called, nobody pulled him off the stage, nobody bothered to do anything, and when he got the Oscar, people actually fucking clapped. They applauded him. That's how fucked up Hollywood is. That's how out of touch these fucking people are with the real world. This is why nobody likes to hear their opinions on politics or taxes or rights or anything. Now I'm sure when they grew up at a young age, they might have grew up in a poor family. But they've been in Hollywood for so long. They have been rich for so long. They do not remember what it's like to be poor. They don't remember what it's like to be working class. They are too far gone from that world to know what it's truly like. Because if they did, they would not have the behavior that they have. And Will Smith is a fucking cuckold. And he's a punk-ass bitch. You know why I say he's a punk-ass bitch? Because he slapped Chris Rock at a point where he knew Chris was not going to do anything back. I guarantee you, if Will Smith had gone backstage and slapped him, it would have ended a whole lot differently. Chris Rock would have fucked his shit up. But I do have to admit, Will Smith was doing the honorable thing you know he was defending the honor of august's girlfriend and i gave him all the props in the world for that although seeing as how chris rock's still standing we now know why he didn't win any awards for ali so that makes perfect sense but this whole fucking thing was atrocious and here's why it makes me angry why it makes me so fucking angry because chris rock is a comedian who got slapped for a joke a joke that was not offensive in any way shape or form he looked at her and said, G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. Compared to the other jokes that have been told by other people, between all the insults that have been thrown at the Smith family, that is the most tame joke ever. If Will should have slapped anybody, it should have been the people that were talking about the fact that Will Smith is staying with Jada despite the fact she is the most toxic female in fucking Hollywood. That's a fact. The only reason this even happened is because when Chris Rock told the joke, Jada started getting moody. Or in her case, fish moody. 
And then she proceeded to glare at her husband and pretty much pressure him to go out there and do something about it. Because Will knew in that moment, if he didn't slap him, Jada was going to be like, you know, August would have slapped him. You know, if Tupac was still alive, he wouldn't have let him get away with that. He'd have busted a cap in his ass. If you love me, if you think I'm such a wonderful person, you're not going to let him talk about me like that. Make fun of the fact that I got an eight ball head. You're not going to let him make fun of that. The fact that my head is smoother than the fucking tile on our goddamn bathroom floor. You're gonna let him talk about that. The fact that my head is shinier than a fucking cue ball on a goddamn pool table. Fucking bitch. She is literally the most toxic human being in the world. This is a woman who literally looked Will Smith in the eye, said she cheated on him, that he didn't sexually satisfy her, and instead of looking at this bitch and going, fuck you, he just sits there and cries like a little bitch. And he's been made into a meme, he's been made into a gif, everybody's been making fun of him for the last year, because Will Smith showed that he ain't a fucking man. He might as well just tuck his dick between his legs and rub peanut butter all over himself, because he ain't a fucking man. He is pathetic. To let a woman treat him like that. It is fucked up. It is ridiculous. It is dumb. But here's the and here's the thing. That joke was so tame. I guarantee you, if Will had done nothing in a few weeks, no one would remember that joke. But because of Will Smith, that joke will live in infamy. That joke will never be forgotten. That joke will be remembered for years to come. And what really makes me mad is when I hear people say stuff like, well, he shouldn't have made fun of his wife's condition. She has alopecia. Let me explain something to you for those of you who don't know how alopecia works. You know the worst thing that happens to you on alopecia? The worst thing? Your hair falls out. It's not contagious. It's not fatal. It's not cancerous. Your hair just falls out and that's fucking it. The worst thing that happens, and I've looked this up online on medical websites, valid medical websites, even WebMD, which everyone fucking looks at, and it all said the same thing. The only thing that happens is you get anxiety or depression because you hate the fact that you don't have your hair. Well, guess what? If the bitch is that insecure, she can go to the store and buy a fucking wig. I've seen broke bitches on Section 8 with wigs that are tricked out. You're telling me with all the money they got, she can't afford the fanciest goddamn wig in all of fucking Hollywood? Bullshit. That's some bullshit. And what really makes me angry, to top it off on all that, is the fact that now this sets a precedent where people now think it's going to be okay to go on stage and slap a comedian if they say a joke that hoits they went to fee wings. It's gotten so out of control, there are club owners. Some of them I actually know, that I'm friends with, have had to go out and make it public on social media. If you slap a comic, you will be thrown out of the building. The fact that that even has to be a thing scares me. I know there'll be some people out there going, well, you know, the same people who get scared of this are the same people that condone the actions of uh, storming the fucking Capitol. Yeah, well, guess what? The same people who hated on the fucking Capitol are the same people that praised fucking burning buildings to the goddamn ground. Which, by the way, most of them were black-owned and black-operated, but the whole riot was about Black Lives Matter. Yeah, try to compute that and have it make fucking sense. And I'm a comedian, so now I gotta worry about someone getting on stage and slapping me. So let me just say, right here, right now, on the Boochcast, so everybody understands this. If I am on stage performing, and anybody, and I fucking mean anybody, I don't care who you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care where you come from, I don't care about your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, nothing. If you try to rush the stage 
and slap me? I'm treating you the same way wrestlers treat fans who jump the guardrail. It's open season and I'm fucking you up. Your DNA is going to be underneath the bottom of my shoe if you even think of stepping on that stage without my permission while I'm on it. And the only way you're going to avoid an ass kicking from me is if security gets to you before I do. Because that's how we run things. At least in the wrestling business. You jump the barricade, it's open season. The heel's allowed to whoop your ass. The babyface is allowed to whoop your ass. The referee is allowed to whoop your ass. The ring announcer is allowed to whoop your ass. Now our policy is, if security gets to you before we do, we step back and we let security do their job. Escort you out of the building. But if, if you're physically in front of me and there's no security guards to hold you back, we need to knock you the fuck out. In a comedy club, same thing. I am fucking motherfuckers up if they rush that stage. If I tell a joke or any comedian tells a joke and you get offended by it, you have the right to do one thing and one thing only. And that is get up out of your seat and leave the club. You are allowed to leave. You are free to leave at any given time. And I want to send a message out to all comedians. Because right now, we're on high alert, my brothers and sisters. If at any point during your show, someone gets up to leave, let them leave. Don't say anything. Don't make fun of them. Don't ask them why they're leaving. Just let them go. Don't try to instigate something. Just let them leave. Because if they try to get up and leave peacefully, and you start shit with them, then it's on y'all. Just let them leave. But if they try to get verbal, if they try to get physical, you defend yourself. You be prepared to defend yourself. And here's the other reason why I believe this was real. Because when people talk about the Oscars, the only thing people were talking about was the slap. No one talked about Will Smith winning the Academy Award. In fact, the only reason people remember he won the Academy Award was because of the slap. But guess what? I bet you can't name the other Oscar winners of that night, can you? No, you can't. Even though the first queer black woman won an Oscar. We, got, we saw the first queer black woman to win an Oscar took place, what I was trying to say. I know that sounded weird, but I wanted to paraphrase that. Also, for the third time in history, a woman won Best Director. So there was representation at the Oscars. That's all I ever hear about is representation, representation, representation. We need more of this. We need more of this. We need more of this. Because nothing's about talent anymore. It's just about representation. We don't care how talented the person is. As long as they look like me, that's all I need to see to have hope in life. Well, guess what? No one's talking about any of that. Will Smith overshadowed all of that with his ego and his inability to be a fucking man, look his wife in the eye, and say, I wear the fucking pants. Now look, I am all for a man respecting his wife. I am all for a man loving his wife. I am all for a man protecting his wife. But what I am not for, what I will never stand for, what I will never support, is a man being a doormat to his wife. I don't want to hear all this, oh, she's always right and I'm, and I'm always wrong. Or if I'm right, she's righter or all that other bullshit. If you're right, you're right. Be a fucking man. What are you, what are you afraid? Is it make you sleep on the couch? If a woman makes you sleep on the couch, turn your man card into your, out of your wallet and pass it forward. I've said to every girl I've ever been in a relationship with, you can be mad at me all you want. I'm sleeping in my bed. I am sleeping on my side of the bed. Even if we don't have sex, that's fine. You can turn your back to me, be on your phone. You can watch TV. You don't have to look at me. You don't have to talk to me. That's fine. You want to give me the silent treatment? Be my fucking guest. Or, if you want to sleep on the couch, you can take your ass to the couch if you want to. But there's no fucking way I'm not sleeping in my bed. 
The only way I will never sleep in my bed, there's only one of two ways that's not happening. One, if my wife is sick, then I'll sleep on the couch. I don't want to catch what she's got. Or two, I'm out of town. Other than that, the booch sleeps in his fucking bed. This is fucking bullshit. Disgusting. But the good news is he slapped Chris Rock. He made Jada happy. So now he's allowed to watch when August fucks her brains out. And he, he gets to jerk off in the corner. But he gets to actually stare instead of having to face the corner and only hear the moaning. So Will Smith is just going to be fine, folks. All right, Zach, what's the next topic? All right, we, Vinny and I, uh, went to go see the new Batman movie with, uh, with Robert Patterson. Okay, I enjoyed it. One problem. A little too long, and it had a good moments. It had its bad moments, but I didn't like the fact of sitting in the fucking theater for three hours. But it was better than I would have suspected it was. It wasn't what I thought it was, because it wasn't a lot of fighting. It was a lot of, like, detective work. But otherwise than that, it wasn't that bad. It was worth the money. Go on Tuesday night, Tuesday in the afternoon. You'll get a cheap deal then it go ahead i'm gonna be honest i didn't expect to enjoy this movie but i did yeah. but i will give the guy at the front desk credit yeah uh now of course by the way i don't know how most people work but the amc ones uh they make you get them at the concession stand instead of a instead of the ticket booth now i don't know why um, but anyway, he warned us before we went to see the movie that it was Batman, the detective version, and it was not a lot of action. So because I got prepped in advance for this, I was able to go in there with that mentality. And it was actually pretty cool. You know, Batman's fighting. He's, he's getting a couple hits, but he has the body armor to protect him. The fights felt more real than in most Batman films. And also, like, someone knocks the door, you open the door, and Batman's standing at the door. That's weird. He's having to walk in instead of doing, like, the disappearing shit that Batman normally does. Mm -hmm. Like, he only did that twice in the whole film, which, again, I thought was hilarious. And then, of course, um, there were some aspects of it that I, that I did enjoy, like... Some of the puzzles, the riddles, the explosions, the storytelling, I thought was very good. Uh, there were a few things I didn't like, and I'll get into those right now. Uh, first, I will say this. As Batman, Robert Pattinson did a decent job. Not as good as Michael Keaton and Christian Bale, but definitely better than Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Agreed. I'll put him right in the middle compared to those those Batmans. I put him right in the middle because he, he didn't suck. He wasn't amazing either. I'm sorry, uh, Michael Keaton's hard to top. He'll always be Batman to me. The real Batman to me. No disrespect to Adam West. I didn't grow up on him. <laughs> Michael Keaton's my guy yeah. as Batman. Not to say Christian Bale didn't take the mantle over very well, but Michael Keaton will still be my guy. But Robert Pattinson did a decent job as Batman. However, he sucked as Bruce Wayne. The Bruce Wayne was fucking terrible. And I've gotten in debates with people about this, but I stand by the statement he sucked as Bruce Wayne. I don't like the brooding, emo, depressing Bruce Wayne. I'm going to tell you why. Because the whole purpose of Bruce Wayne going out and acting like a billionaire playboy and having the, uh, the rich mentality was not just because he's rich and can fuck a lot of bitches. Yes, he is emotionally damaged. But the goal of Bruce Wayne was to mask the pain. That's what it's about. He was somebody who was depressed but didn't show it. Not everybody who's depressed has to show it. There are plenty of people who go through depression and you don't know it because they put on a good facade for society. Some people are mentally ill but you don't realize it because they put on a good front. I know because I'm one of those people. But most importantly... The reason for it was to throw people off track that he's Batman. Because if he's out here doing all this billionaire stuff, spending a lot of money, fucking a lot of bitches and everything, 
you think Bruce Wayne is selfish. So you think a guy like him could not be Batman. Someone who puts their life on the line to save others. Someone who thinks about people other than himself. The job is for people to think that Bruce Wayne is a, is a rich sociopath who's out of touch with the working class. Or someone who doesn't care about the working class. That he's one of those rich people that looks his noses down at the weak and the downtrodden and the common folk. But he does it so that way when you're trying to figure out who is Batman, Bruce <laughs> Wayne's the last guy you think about. And that way they'll never know until they take off the mask who he is. That's why Bruce Wayne needs to act like that. This Bruce Wayne, you can clearly tell he's fucking Batman. He is not giving any indication that he is normal. And that's what made the relationship between him and Catwoman so damn well in the Batman movies and series. Because Catwoman was the only person that could break through the hard shell of Batman. The hard shell of Bruce Wayne. Because she also had a damaged life. She was also dealing with a lot of trauma. The only difference is she didn't have Bruce Wayne's money. Bruce is fabulously wealthy. Selina is dirt poor. But the fact they, they both have physical and emotional scars is what bonded them together. It's what made their relationship work. Speaking of Selena Kyle, here's my issue with Catwoman. And a lot of people are gonna get are not gonna like what I'm about to say right now, but I found it weird that they casted a black woman to play Selena Kyle. Now was it enough to make me hate the film? No. I didn't get mad. I didn't go crazy on social media because it doesn't bother me that much. I'm just saying I thought it was weird. Just being honest, I thought it was weird. Now, I know people are going to say, well, you know, Boots, there, a black woman's played Catwoman in the past. Yes, she has. Obviously, Eartha Kitt played Batman during the last season of the Adam West Batman series. We all know that Halle Berry played Catwoman in her own Catwoman movie. Yes, but in spite of all that, Selena Kyle is white, is what I'm trying to say. Even though, yeah, Halle Berry played Catwoman, but she played Patience Phillips, who was a whole different character in the Catwoman costume. So that's what I don't like, is when you're taking an established character that already exists and you change their skin color, or you change their gender, or you change their sexual orientation. I'm all for representation in film. All I ask is that you create an original character and use that to be your representation. I respect that a lot more. If you create a superhero character, an original character that's black, I'll back that 100%. If you want to create your own original female character, like a Wonder Woman, I will back that 100%. If you have a superhero that's gay and you want to create a gay superhero, a gay man who puts on a costume and saves the day, or even a lesbian that puts on a costume and saves the day, I will back that 100%. What I do not back is when you take a character that already exists and you rearrange that. That's where I have the issue because it's not progressive, it's plagiarism. It means you're taking something that already exists and using it to make a political statement. You're taking someone else's hard work and you're trying to spin it in your own way because you're too lazy to write your own content. That's how I, as a content creator, look at that. But again, it wasn't enough to make me hate the film. It's just that was something that bugged me a little bit. But I will give credit where it's due. Zoe Kravitz did a hell of a job. I also thought it was weird because they were trying to find this other girl and before she got kidnapped, she started calling her baby. So I'm thinking, is Catwoman a lesbian in this? 
Because I know she makes out with Batman. Is she bi? Like, or was it maybe just a friend that she called a baby? That thought was weird to me. I was thinking, going, oh, please, God, don't please tell me you're not making Selena Kyle a lesbian. I don't, I can't sit through this shit. And again, I don't have a problem with lesbians. I have a problem with taking a character who's not a lesbian and making her a lesbian for the purposes of publicity. That's where I have an issue. And again, I also found it odd that Jim Gordon was also black. I thought that was weird. Like, I thought that, like, again, why? That was unnecessary. There was no reason to do that. But again, not enough to make me hate the film. Just something I thought was weird, stupid, and unnecessary. That's all I gotta say about that. As far as the Riddler... In general, I did like the Riddler. I at least the guy I saw in the prison cell. I liked the puzzles, I liked the riddles, I liked the challenges. What I didn't like was the gimp mask that he was wearing. Apparently it was a different kind of mask. It looked like a gimp mask, that's what the fuck I called it. I also didn't like the fact that the Riddler was physically attacking people and then duct taping their faces. I'm like, because to me, the Riddler was never a person who was physical. You know what I mean? They, this, the Riddler was the thing that me somebody that got physical. He was a person that was smart. He's like, he knew physically he can't beat anyone up, but he can outsmart them. He can trick them and use and play the mind games to get the advantage. And then he had the henchmen that did it for him. So I didn't like the fact that that wasn't the case. I thought that was odd. And plus, I'm used to the Riddler being like in question marks and green somehow and all that. And this guy was basically dressed like uh, an assassin or something. It was fucking weird. And they had a bunch of people dressed like him with AK-47s looking to kill everybody in Madison Square Garden. This was weird. It was, it was good at the end. He, he managed to build a cult following with what he was doing that was willing to do his bidding. So there were certain aspects of the Riddler I liked, but I just didn't like that part was odd. I also found it interesting they also like to use it as a way of like, you know, the mom was mentally ill, the dad tried to cover it up and went to Falcone for help and Falcone killed him, but Bruce's dad didn't know he was going to kill him or whatever. And I also, I love the actor who played Falcone. He was so, I've seen him in so many movies and he was so goddamn good. Yeah, I never talked about that guy who played, I think his name's John Perotti. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I'm like, he always, because I think he's actually, telling, he always plays a good mob boss. He was also in uh, Don't Mess With Zohan. He yes. Was that, he, he's a, he, Wait, I was like, wasn't he the guy? Yeah, he was the like, guy. Like, who was the guy's name? Oh, God, I don't know. No, no, Phantom. He was the Phantom. He was the Phantom. Or Fatouche. Fatouche. No, no, no Fatouche. No Fatouche. It's Phantom now, and it's Phantom. my business. My business. I save store, <laughs> then <laughs> I kill the Zohan. The Zohan. You know who he also was? What? He was the butler in Mr. Deeds. Yeah, he was. He's I like, like eat. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't hate that. He was like, ole. <laughs> well, otherwise than that, but the one character I love more than was uh, Colin Farrell. Oh, God. Pigway. Oswald Gobblepot. <laughs> and here's the funny part. You didn't recognize him. You didn't. I was like, wait a minute. That's Colin Farrell. That's a lot of makeup. <laughs> and the thing, is, I, the thing is, I saw it on the internet like months ago. We went to see it in the movie. I still forgot it was him. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, who, isn't he supposed to be somebody? And then it's like Colin Farrell, and I went, oh, shit. That's fucking awesome. And I love how at the end, like, now they're trying to find out who the new villain's supposed to be, and they look at Oswald thinking it could be him or whatever, and then it ends with Riddler in the cell with this guy, and we're trying to figure out, is that Joker or is it Two-Face? I found out later it was Joker. It was Joker, I saw it too. Because there's a deleted scene on YouTube where they show Batman visiting the Joker to try to get answers on the Riddler. And, of course, Batman and Joker went back and forth, and they're, you know, Joker's also being helpful. But then he explains, he goes, I think deep down you like what he's doing, and you don't want to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. Because it's good. Like, you know what? He's like, okay, he's going after, what's he going after? Corrupt people. 
which is what Batman does. The only difference is Batman doesn't believe in killing. And of course, they establish the relationship with Catwoman, and then of course they go their separate ways because they have to. Which I, I, I got a feeling Catwoman's coming back if there's a sequel. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah, I do, I do, I do, I do. But otherwise, this, this movie was too long. They could have cut it in half at least. Yeah, it was. I don't know why oh, it was that man. long, but hopefully the next one's not as long. Yeah, exactly. But. But, 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 and everything that was part of one of those enchanted things was none other than the Elvis Presley movie biopic trailer. <sighs> Folks, it's Forrest Gump and Elvis Presley reuniting. And I mean, like, oh my God, this looks fantastic. Because you got some guy named Austin Butler. And I looked him up. He can sing. You don't look sick in the kink. And also has Tom Hanks playing Tom Parker, his uh, booker and his manager and everything else. And I'm thinking, Tom, I'm Forrest Gump and Elvis Presley reunite. But this looks so freaking good. Dude, I was watching this. I'm thinking, like, are they doing an Elvis movie? <laughs> are they and, then, and it wasn't until I heard uh, Tom Hanks' character go, I'd like to promote you, Mr. Presley. And I'm like, yes! Oh, my God! And he and here's the thing. Just from the trailer, he did so fucking well. Not even just the singing, just the talking in general. It didn't feel like an Elvis impersonation, you know? It felt like this guy really was the king. <laughs> and it was great. I loved it. I'll have a blue Christmas. Oh, without you, you know. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. The movie looks fantastic. Crying all the time. I think that's the movie we have to go see. Oh, we're seeing it. And you know who needs to come with us? Who? Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> that is how he got his name, by the way. His, his parents were huge fans of Elvis Presley, so they named him that. And people had to a, like ask him yeah. Elvis Presley questions. People do all the time. Like, I remember when, out, years ago, I was on the Don Geronimo show. I would make frequent appearances for him, and I told him I was doing a booch cast, and Elvis was going to be on it. And they thought I meant Elvis Presley, and I'm like, no. It's like I was listening to go, is he a real person? I had to tell people, he is a real person. <laughs> I had to show them his Twitter page and everything. Like, there's actually a friend. I actually have a friend named Elvis. Like, it's real. It's a rare name to find, but it does exist. And it's fucking awesome. So, yeah, we saw the trailer for that. It was great. Then, of course, there were a few other trailers that we saw. That were we great. saw the one. Nope. Oh, God. Were like, okay, we're going to make this short and sweet. It looks stupid. I'm not going to go see it. We don't know what it is. Vinny, go ahead. So, they, they, they do this thing about where they have this black horse and a, and a stop animation or some kind of weird, like, this is the first version of this movie in history. And apparently black people did it, which is fine. Uh, that's all cool. But next thing you know, there's this ranch that has horses. That's from the ancestors of the guy who created all that. And then there's like these wacky wave inflatable arm flailing tube man. And all of a sudden they deflate. All of a sudden some random horse runs up out of nowhere. There's aliens coming around. There's all this supernatural shit. And here's what bothered me. The trailer did nothing to explain the film. Now look, here's the thing. I understand most people don't like trailers that give away the entire film. I get it. I respect it. I 100% agree with it. But at the same time, the trailer needs to explain the movie. It's just like writing It's like writing a term paper or writing a newspaper. Who, what, where, when, why, how. I need to know what's going on. That's why you have the voiceover guy. You know, it's like Pablo Francisco did a joke about the voiceover guy. He was like, in the city, you must fight to survive. He sold tortillas on the corner and the mob wanted in. And I don't know who this guy. I don't know who this guy is, but I want him in his tortillas 
dead this summer. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Listen to me. These are my tortillas. I'm not going to get them up here. Starring Keanu Reeves. He knew too much. I know too much. <laughs> he went too far. I went too far. Those are my lines. Those are his lines. <laughs> you know, just all this crazy shit. And it's like, you know, he's like, and then, and then of course he has uh, Sofia Vergara. Oh my God, Arnold, what are we going to do? I feel like we're going to get shot. Listen to me. You have to keep your head down. They're trying to take my tortillas. Do, 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 do. One man, one solution. Arnold Schwarzenegger this summer is... <sighs> Little Tortilla Boy. Coming soon to a theater near you. This film is not yet rated. That is pretty much it. That sums the whole thing up. You know what's going to happen, why it's going to happen, the title, everything. That's what a trailer needs to do. So I can at least get an idea of what this movie's about so I can go see it. I mean, there was another trailer that was also shitty, but it at least explained the film a little bit better. And that was that Brad Pitt train shit. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Zach, you, you, you paid more attention to that than I did. <laughs> Uh, oh, that movie. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies where and, and one guy's on there and he has to fight off assassins. It looks funny. I like those type of movies. Vanny doesn't want to see it. I'm going to go see it. But there's another movie that we might have to go see in the theaters. What movie is out there, Mr. Vanny Bucci? I don't know, Mr. Zachary Scott. What is it? The Superfats movie. Where, yes. Uh, yeah, where Kevin Hart is playing Batman's dog and, and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is playing Crypto. Superman's dog, and these two right here, even though a lot of people don't like Kevin Hart, but with the Kevin Hart and The Rock, <laughs> speaking of the CIA movie, are really, 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 it's really good. They have amazing chemistry. They <laughs> yeah, really they do. do. Whether it was the CIA movie, the uh, Jumanji films, they have great comedic chemistry, and they roast each other all the time. They are truly a great uh, comedic duo. It's genius to watch. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, okay. The boy. Now, we're going to get into a little bit more of a serious conversation here, uh, BoostCast fans. Is this. Okay. Rule of Vinny and I, when we're watching wrestling, especially a live event, doesn't matter if it's a shit show or it's a really important preview or a shit pay-per-view. You do not call. Okay, um, since I am a really bad at doing this man's particular voice. <coughs> so, Gator Ricky Ross, I love you, dude. I really, really do. But stop being a fucking pest. And yes, sometimes Vinny does your voice better than yourself. Vinny, go ahead. Mr. Ginger, why are you discomfort? Why are you discomfort? <laughs> Look, look, it, okay, look, it's, okay, we, I need you to know, why, why are you discomfort? It's okay, it's okay. We're going to figure it out, okay? Play my music. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty world, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be? My neighbor, won't you please, won't 
you please, please won't you be my neighbor? It's okay to feel sad sometimes. <laughs> so, so, Miss, Miss, so, Ginger, just tell everybody what, what's on your mind. Why are you discomfort? Because <laughs> you don't want to shut the fuck up and leave us alone. I know uh, you I don't. I swear, Jar, I swear, Jar, we're dirty words. I've gone too far. That'll be a quarter, please. <laughs> Ding. Thank you. Look, Gator, the sleepy chew gimmick works. I know you don't like her wearing pajamas, but dude, it's part of her work. And here's the thing, it fucking works! And another thing is, well, I, uh, I was not slurring, Gator. Don't call me up. I said, you know to be drinking on the beach, Gator. You don't need to be drinking on the beach, Listen here, you 23, 24-year-old uh, kid, you. Just because you do what you do and your boss dropped this two days ago does not mean you have to give me, at 35 years old, almost 36, tell me I don't need to be drinking on the booze cast. Okay, I was not slurring. And if I was, Vinny would have got pissed at me and then everything would have gone to shit. So, shame on you. Fuck off. Vinny, go ahead. Here's the thing. Obviously, I got annoyed with Gator calling me up during the show. You know, it's like, it's like, Mitch, Mitch, you ready? Why is she wearing footy pajamas? I explained to him like 15 fucking times. <laughs> and it pissed me off after a while. Because I'm telling him why. Because it's her gimmick. And he just kept asking me over and over again. Finally, I ended up screaming at him because I'm like, it's her gimmick. Because here's the thing. I didn't like Wendy Chu at first. Until I saw her work in the ring. Then... I put the gimmick away and realized she knows what the fuck she's doing. But also, Gator, here's the thing that bothered me. First of all, he woke me up to tell me that this was a major important thing and that people had a problem with Zach's drinking on the show. Now, there have been times where Zach has drank on the show, and I have not been happy about it. I have talked a little bit about one particular incident already, so I won't bring it up again. But that last show that Z Gator was referring to, Zach didn't do a lot of drinking. Zach was fine. On that show. But I will say this to all the fans out there. If you're ever listening to a show and you think Zach is slurring his words and you think Zach is drunk and you can't understand a fucking word Zach is saying, please let me know. I will bring it to his attention and we will have our sit down, come to Jesus conversation like we had before. Because I don't like when Zach drinks. Everybody knows I don't like it when Zach drinks. Because he pace himself and he becomes an asshole that's unbearable to be around. Sorry, but you do. So that was an issue. But also, here's what bothered me. Gator is in no position to get mad at anybody for doing something fucked up on the show. The amount of controversy that Gator has brought to this show since I've had him on has been insane. The part of the reason we do disclaimers is because of how controversial Gator is. Part of the reason we have the phrase, we gonna get letters, is because we've gotten letters from people who were pissed off at shit that Gator had to say. And sometimes it has even caused rifts within the team of the Boochcast. I've had people threaten to quit or actually quit or get in shouting matches with me because of the fucked up shit that Gator would say. Because sometimes Gator tells a joke and it's funny. Other times he's told jokes and they were in very bad taste. And we would argue about it time and time again. And he would always look at me, well, Mr. Bucciaretti, Mr. Bucciaretti, I got to get my heat. I'm a heel. I got to get my heat. And I have to fucking grab him by the throat, if I could, and say, Gator, this is not a wrestling event. This is a podcast. You are not required to get heat on a podcast. The only time a wrestler should be trying to get heat on a podcast is if you're promoting a wrestling show 
that you're going to be on and you want to be in character when you say, I'm going to whoop this guy's ass this Sunday. Then you can say some shit. Outside of that, you don't have to be kayfabe on a podcast. Especially when that podcast revolves around talking about the business. And that's one thing we definitely changed about Gator over the years. Because even John and Rhiannon, that's how mad I am. I'm bringing up her name, even though I normally bleep it. You know, nothing against Rhiannon personally. It's just that I know sometimes you like to be mentioned on the show because of her job. But I'm that fucking angry. But they used to bring to my attention all the time. You know, they like Gator when he talks about the business. And most of you like when he talks about the business. But when he tries to do jokes and bits and be funny, he usually fails. The exception to the rule, of course, being Gator ruins his childhood. And Fifty Shades of Gator and a few others. But a lot of times he's just offensive for the sake of being offensive and it's fucked up. So I finally told him, I said, Gator, you keep bragging about how much you know about the business. And I know this because he used to be, starting to work on it now, but he used to be very narcissistic when it came to the wrestling business. He had to constantly remind me and everybody else time and time again about his experience in the business, how he has family in the business, and how he's actually done booking and everything else. And it always makes him sound like an arrogant prick because he tried to make he would try to make every conversation all about him. And I would have to say to him what Undertaker said to Bret Hart one time in the locker room, which is, motherfucker, not everything is about you. When you keep taking people's stories and conversations and then turning them around and trying to make them all about you, it makes you insufferable to be around and it makes people not want to open up to you. And Gators had to learn that the hard way. And thankfully, he's starting to learn it. But it used to be insufferable. It's literally getting to the point where if he was to do it one more time, I would actually start forcing him to send me receipts. Now, you mentioned ready. I wear tons of matches. Really? Show me where. Find me a YouTube video right now of you in a ring working a match. Because I've searched for Gator on YouTube. And the only YouTube video I found, I've only seen two. One was a commentary video he showed me years ago. And the other was him in a tinfoil hat when he worked for the other show back in the day before he joined us. Other than that, I have not seen anything related to Gator Ricky Ross on YouTube. But like I said, he's starting to get control over that, so hopefully that's not the case. And I just had to get some of this shit off my chest because it's been bugging me for a long, 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 long time. I can tell. And like I said, Gator and Zach have both done things on this show that are fucked up. Mm. Neither one of them is a saint on this goddamn show. Hell, it's my show, and at times I haven't been a saint. But I've always said it when I, I say what I always say. I'm brutally honest and I keep it real on this show. If that offends you, tough. If I have an opinion on something, I'm going to express it. You can either debate me like a man, you can leave me alone like a normal person, or you can start shit like a little bitch if you don't like what I have to say. We can have a productive conversation, or you can be whiny how you want to go about it. So even I'm not a saint on this show. I've said things that people thought were inappropriate, but I didn't care because it was the truth. Sometimes truth hurts. But anyway, that's... We're, we're, this, this obviously has happened a long time ago, but we're getting it out of our system now, and yep. I've said all I need to say, so what's the next topic? Is what you've been having a problem with. You finally got it fixed. The WWE 2K video game debacle. <laughs> so, as I mentioned before, I bought the WWE 2K22 video game. Elvis and I are supposed to be doing a, um, a Boochcast booking battle. Uh, hopefully, we'll be getting to that at some point. We just had so much shit going on. But uh, anyway, so I bought the game. The day that it came out, I, I remember that day I had to take um, uh, Buck to the airport real early in the morning. 
dropped him off, went to GameStop, slept in the parking lot for a little bit. Uh, then I went and got the game. Now, I had the game, but I didn't really play it for a few days because I had so much shit going on. So I bought the game. So finally, I get a chance. I open the game up after a couple days, and I finally put the game in the PS4. And right when I turned the game on, the downloaded, everything got on there, I discovered that I was in some kind of weird demo mode. There was no music playing, and all I could do was normal one-on-one -on -one matches, and I only had eight wrestlers to choose from, and I immediately went, what the fuck is wrong with this game? So I go online to find out if anybody else was going through this, and for the first, like, couple days, I couldn't find anybody. I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. So I tried every single trick I could possibly come up with. First, I was told to wait for the game to fully download which I thought it did. So then I decided to delete the game and reinstall it. Waited for it to fully download, started the game, nothing happened. Then I heard people say, well, I saw some guy online who played it and then all of a sudden there was a freeze, it lagged, and then everything started working again. So they said, I don't know, just play a couple matches, see what happens. I played 12 matches, nothing happened. Some people said, why don't you turn the game, turn the PS4 off and turn it back on? All right, so I turned it off and then I turned it back on. Nothing happened, still fucked up. Then some people say, well, maybe it didn't download properly because you got too much data saved on the PS4. So I called my brother because he was in North Carolina on business. So I called him up and I said, hey, Sonny, do you give a shit about any of these games on here? I might be looking to delete a couple of them. And he said, no, go ahead. I don't play those games anymore. So I deleted every game my brother had on there. And I even deleted the 2K18 and the 2K19 that I had saved. Because usually when I buy the new video game, I don't revert back. I don't go backwards. I play the new game and that's it. I'm always moving forward. So I knew I was never going to use any of that data ever again. So fuck it. So I do all that. Still nothing. Still nothing's happening. So I decide to take drastic measures. I did something unprecedented that most people would never do. I initialized the PS4. What does that mean? I completely reset the PS4. All the data that was ever saved on that PS4 from video games to Netflix to everything, clear, gone, everything. Restarted, it was a fresh new PS4, got my own login information, logged everything in, everything worked out perfectly. My brother didn't have a PlayStation Plus or anything, so it wasn't like he lost anything. Plus, if he wants to get mad at me about it, we'll deal with that later. Uh, I'll fix it if I have to. But for now, my brother does his own shit on the computer, so I'm not really worried about the PS4 and how he's going to feel about it. But I did have some, I had two other games that were saved on there. They're not saved anymore, so they're gone. So I then upload the 2K22 game. I wait till it fully downloads. I start the game. Still nothing. I deleted all that shit for nothing. So I finally came to the realization, this game is trash. And I told everybody in the group, fuck this game, it's trash. Desmond calls me. He says, why is the game trash? I told him exactly why. I told him everything I did and why this game sucks. And he went, okay, that's odd. Um, why don't you come by my house tomorrow after work, bring the game, and we'll try it on my console. I said, okay. I said, just so you know, Des, I want you to know something. If this game works on your system, I'm going to be cussing up a storm. I'm going to be saying shit that Dax shouldn't be hearing. Dax, if you don't know, that's my six-year-old nephew. And Desmond said, that's fine, but just so you know, I'm going to laugh my ass off. And I said, go ahead. So I go to Desmond's house with the game. He proceeds to download it onto his PS4. In fact, I even went as far as to say, if it works on your game console, you can keep it. Because I don't fucking want it. 
which pissed off Elvis a little bit because I kind of gave him dibs on it if it didn't work. Because I was basically saying, any of y'all can have this game if it works because I don't even want to look at this fucking game anymore. I fucking hate it at, at this point. So we put it on Desmond's console. He goes to play it and the same shit happens to him. So at this point, we finally discovered what happened. Turns out this whole time, the disc was defective. So I reset my PS4 for nothing, which kind of pissed me off because I had two other games saved on there. I had a Power Ranger game and a Dragon Ball Z game. But I'm not too worried about it because if I ever get a chance to play those games again, I'll just redid what I did before and I'll make it work. That's fine. I'll play a new game. I don't care. I'm fine with that. I'll do it again. Plus, I can always find walkthroughs online if I need help finding anything I need to find. So there's that's the beautiful thing about modern technology and how video games work today. You can just do walkthroughs and fucking find shit easily if it's too much of a burden. So anyway, I get through that. Now, another thing I noticed, because before I went to Desmond's house, I had to stop at GameStop and pick up a game for him that he reimbursed me money for. It was the Spider-Man Miles Morales game. And while I was there, I talked to the guy, this guy Jorge, at the front desk. And I said, hey, have you played the new WB 2K22 game? He goes, yeah, I played it. I said, hey, man, I got this weird demo mode thing. You know what's wrong? He goes, so he tried to give me the standard thing. He said, well, when you turn it on, did you see the Drew Gulak tutorial? I said, the what? He said, the Drew Gulak tutorial. You're saying Gaba Gulak does a tutorial? He goes, yeah, it's literally the first thing you see. I'm like, fuck, that wasn't on there. So I find the receipt. This is a day later. I find the receipt buried in my car somewhere. I go to GameStop. I go to Switch, and I go and I switch it out. I get a fresh new game. I come back to the house, and I set up the game, and I download it. Once it is quote-unquote downloaded, I waited two hours. So what I did was I went on Netflix because I have Roku, and my Netflix is saved on there. So I'm not worried about Netflix being on the PS4 anymore. I couldn't get Netflix back on there, nor do I give a fuck at this point. So I go on Netflix. I watch Top Gun, which I've seen Top Gun before, but never from start to finish. I've only seen it. I've always caught it in the middle or certain parts. I never saw the whole thing from start to finish. So I did that just to kill time. Then as soon as Top Gun was over, I turned on the game. And all of a sudden, I start hearing music. I get to that point where it says, press any button. I press it. And all of a sudden, there it is, the Gabagulak tutorial. So the game finally works. I now have access to fucking everything. So I did what I always do when I first get the game. I created my wrestler. I got his attire. I got his entrance. I got his move set. I got my created wrestler all set up so I can use him in the My Rise, My Career mode, which I haven't started yet. After I finished creating my character, I had to get some sleep. Now, I haven't played the game since then, but because I did those 12 matches, I know how to use the controls. Plus, the tutorial helped out as well. So I haven't had a chance to actually play the game and play one-on-one -on -one matches. But now, I have access to the My Career mode and everything else, the showcase and all that. So eventually, when, I'm, when I finally have time to sit down and play the game, because I haven't lately, but the next chance I get when I can play the game, I am going to start the My Career mode and see how this baby goes. So I'm very excited. Well, we should got it fixed. So, moving on there, Vinny? Yes. Uh, what's the next topic? Uh, the next topic is a sad state day in the rock and roll world. It is the passing of Tyler Hawkins, the few fighters for a long, the few fighters drummer for a long, long time. I know Vinny Warren's a really big fan. I know he's just a drummer. It's still though. Why him? Why can't they take a couple of these, I don't know, like Bieber, Chad Kroger, Cardi B, Fred Durst. Hey! Hey! Don't go there. Orchid. Okay, maybe not him. You're pushing it. <laughs> oh, I am? You're fucking pushing <laughs> it. Oh, just hit the joke. Tyler Hawkins died at the hey, age of 50. Hey, hey, hey. Keep my favorite 
singer's name out your fucking mouth. He's not that good in the first place. Keep my favorite lead singer's name out your fucking mouth. But that's not the point. This is not a Brett Fred Durst. It's about Tyler Hawk, who's a drummer of the Foo Fighters. It's a sad, sad day. I wish for the best for his bandmates, Dave Grohl, and his family, and his children. But, Vinny, I don't think you want to say something. Yes. Um, obviously, I didn't really know who the drummer was because I knew about the Foo Fighters, but I didn't know the individual band's names. But he seemed like a really good guy from what I've read. So, uh, obviously, it's sad to see him go. It's sad for anybody that's a good person to see them pass away, uh, regardless of, you know, what band they're in or what instrument they play or whatever. But I have liked some of the Foo Fighters songs. You know, they, they are pretty cool guys. In fact, I've seen them do a couple of crazy things over the years. Um, obviously, the song, you know, if someone get in the past, the past, the best, the best of you. I like that song. Um, I also like the uh, the version of Never Gonna Give You Up that they did with Rick Astley. I thought was fucking awesome. Like, and then Rick Astley singing along to that. You know, that, that was fucking epic. The fact that that's how cool the Foo Fighters were. It's like, we don't give a fuck. We like Rick Astley. Let's fucking do this shit. <laughs> and you can take the song Never Gonna Give You Up that everybody fucking hates and uses to like Rick Roll people and you made it fucking cool again. Like, that's badass. I was, in fact, I also realized they were very, um, you know, they were political at times. I saw this one this one video where uh, they rickrolled the Westboro Baptist Church. You ever see this? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. What song were they playing? Uh, Never Gonna Give You Up, the rickroll song. Yeah. So they were playing that while they are in the back of a truck. But they're not playing their version. They're playing the original version, you know. We're no strangers to love. And they're sitting there. They got sunglasses on and they're dancing. One guy's got like a G-string on. He's holding up a sign uh, that's like pro-LGBT. Because as those people who don't know, the Westboro Baptist Church, uh, they're a family church group. They all have the same last name. And they live in uh, Kansas. And apparently, the Foo Fighters had a show in Kansas. And apparently, they had put out some pro-LGBT stuff, which always pisses off the Westboro Baptist Church. Because they're very homophobic. In fact, they're the only hate group in America that doesn't do physical violence, but actually has physical violence done onto them. Like people get offended and triggered and things like that. And when I say offended and triggered, I'm not saying that in a bad way because this is something to actually get offended and triggered over. You know what I mean? This is valid because their behavior is atrocious. They're holding up signs that say God hates fags. They say things like they, they have literally American flags they tie around their waist and fucking step on, which is disgusting. Like they, 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 even people who are homophobic don't even like the West Pro Baptist Church because they take it to a level even the biggest homophobe is like y'all are fucked in the head like that's how bad they are i remember one time i saw like a documentary on them this guy did and one time they were doing a protest and this guy his house is a horrible thing they have little children at these rallies holding up these signs and you know this kid has no idea what sign he's holding up He's not old enough to understand this shit, right? Yeah. But there's literally a time where a guy got so mad, he throws a slushie out the car window, and he was aiming for the mom, but he hit the little kid by accident. So this little kid got smacked in the face with a slushie. And of course, the Westboro Baptist Church tried to spin it and go, here's how hateful they are. They attacked the little kid. It's like, no, bitch, you know they were trying to hit you. That kid got hit by accident. That kid should have never fucking been there. If you want to behave like this, you're an adult, go ahead. But leave the kids at home. Get a fucking babysitter and go out and do this shit. Don't bring a little kid out to do something this disgusting. So they were out there protesting 
saying, like, here's how fucked up the Westboro Baptist Church is. When Heath Ledger died, they protested his funeral because he played a gay cowboy in Brokeback Mountain. He's not even gay! Called acting. In fact, they did the same thing when Robin Williams died because of his role in the birdcage. Again, he wasn't fucking gay! They also protest, they've even gone as far as to protest funerals of military veterans. They are literally the most fucked up group of people you will ever fucking see in your life. So to see the Foo Fighters rickroll them is fucking hilarious. And you know how fucked up the family really is? Hmm. Some of the kids, when they got older, they left. The guy who did a documentary on them did a follow-up because since between the first time he was there and the second and the, and the, and the other time he showed up, half the family had rolled out. They were called the Black Sheep. In fact, you ever seen that movie with Kevin Smith called Red State? Yeah. That's based on the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, I know. But it's not the Baptist Church. Though. Well, no, because the difference is the Red State actually tried to kill gay people. Westboro Baptist Church never killed anyone. They no, just, they didn't. They just held up fucking signs. They're just despicable people. Yeah. And Kevin Smith was doing a screening in Kansas... And there were two people in the audience that were part of that family. And they said, nah, man, we're black sheep. We rolled out. Kevin Smith brought them on stage and interviewed them. And he talked about how all these things they did were accurate. And he said, if that guy had clear tape, I'd have shit my pants. <laughs> and Kevin Smith said, I'm doing an emergency reshoot tomorrow. <laughs> he did, but it was funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. But otherwise than that, yeah, sad day in the rock and roll world. But there is another announcement that this will make Vinny very, very happy that the Starter Brothers are announced for the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2022. About time. Hopefully everything works out because Scott Steiner knows not to be the most terminous people on the mic. But Vinny, as a personal, as a personal person who knows Big Papa Pop Scott Steiner, go ahead. <laughs> yes, the Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott, have been named for the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2022. The brothers began teaming together in 1989 and quickly became uh, one of the sport's most dangerous combinations known for their hard-hitting in-ring style. They held tag team gold across the world with memorable runs in WCW and WWE. Rick Steiner's son, Bronson Rex Steiner, wrestles as Braun Breaker on WWE's developmental brand NXT 2.0. The 2022 Hall of Fame induction ceremony uh, takes place Friday, April 1st. It will stream live on Peacock on the WWE Network immediately following SmackDown. Now, obviously at the time that we're recording this, the Hall of Fame hasn't happened yet, but by the time this airs the hall of fame will have already happened um i'm glad the steiner brothers are going into the hall of fame they definitely deserve it they're one of the all-time greatest tag teams and you know obviously scott has had his issues with wwe but he seems to have put that behind him in recent years uh, at least I heard that through people who were friends with Braun Breaker. Because one time, uh, Buff was working out in the gym, and he asked me to come by to do some, uh, take some video, take some photos and videos for Instagram of him in the gym, right? So while we were there, we were talking. To, I was talking to this guy who's they, they're friends with Braun Breaker, and they told me that you know Scott has you know made amends with WWE at least on some level. And the reason I say, and the reason he said that was because I happened to talk about I was worried that Scott Steiner was going to talk some shit, and that might hurt Braun Breaker's push. But they said, no, nah, man, they've been cool for a while. It's just every time Scott does it now, it's just kayfabe. But he made amends them a long time ago. I said, okay, that's cool. So I was re I was I was reassuring about that because obviously, um, you know, the Steiner brothers have been the uh, the WCW uh, tag team champions seven times. They won the U.S. tag team titles one time. They've been the Mid Atlantic tag team champions, the IWGP tag champs in Japan, the PCW tag team champions, PWA tag champs. Uh, they've been the WWE tag team champions twice. Um, they had match of the year in 1991 against. 
against Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki during the WWE New Japan Super Show. They were Tag Team of the Year in 1990 uh, for Wrestling Observer. They won Tag Team of the Year for Pro Wrestling Illustrated in 1990-1993. And in the top 100 tag teams of the PWI years in 2003, they were ranked number two. They were the number two most ranked tag team of all time. Uh, They are definitely badasses and are deserving of this spot. And they've had classic matches with the Road Warriors, Harlem Heat, the Heavenly Bodies. Um, you know, they've beaten um, you know, top guys. They have been all over the world. You know, Sting and Lex Luger, they fought them. They have been through you name a top tag team, they've beaten them. And it's they're that damn good. They've been in WCW, WWE, ECW, TNA. They've had matches with like Team 3D and the New Age Outlaws. They've literally been, you know, on top of the wrestling world. And I have all the respect in the world for those guys. Well, of course you do, except for Rick sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm willing to put my issues with Rick to the side for the sake of the Hall of Fame, though. All right, yeah. I won't deny that Hall of Fame because of that. Scott Steiner I've always gotten along with, um, although I do know giving him a live microphone is a gamble. A very big gamble. But the thing is, nine times out of ten, if you tell Steiner in advance what he can and can't say, he tends to do well with that. Like, he's a professional, he's a businessman. But if you don't set parameters for him, it's going to be an NC-17 fucking show. Very, very true. Yeah. So it's going to be um, interesting to see what happens in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, the Steiner brothers, they're going to be very, very interesting. But I'm glad to see them take their rightful place. And I'm just hoping Scott doesn't say or do anything that could hurt Braun Breaker's push. Because he's he's doing very well. He's very, very talented. And he deserves he's very deserving of the spot that he's in. So I just hope that, that everything works out great for him there. But yes, props to the Steiner brothers for going to the Hall of Fame. Very well deserved. Very, very, very. Very, very, very true, sir. Very true, sir. All right, we're on to the last topic of the night, even though it's kind of sad, but we understand as human beings that his Triple H retires after details with a near-death experience. Um, yeah, he just had problems with his health, and he had to go to a cardio event late last year. He's a 14-time world champion at Bayern Ebonia. His lungs were inflamed, and he saw yeah. rough blood caught when he was coughing up blood and had fluid in his lungs. He almost died, but he's still here with us. Vinny? Yes. WWE executive Paul Levesque, Triple H, uh, gave an update on his health and future after undergoing a cardiac event in late 2021. Uh, The 14-time world champion spoke with Stephen A. Smith for ESPN this week. A portion of the conversation aired on Friday's episode of First Take, the full one you can find on the ESPN YouTube channel. Uh, Triple H said, I had a viral pneumonia. My lungs were inflamed. As the next couple of days went on, it got increasingly worse, and my wife saw some blood and stuff that I was coughing up. I went and got checked and it was coming from the viral pneumonia. But I had fluid in my lungs and fluid around my heart. Doctors performed a thorough examination, including uh, an EKG injection fraction. No, including an EKG. The injection fraction is the way your heart pumps blood, and 55 to 60 is considered at a healthy range. Triple H was down to 30. He said, I got a quick text message saying, don't take time, pack your bag, and head to the emergency room. By the time I got to the emergency room, my ejection fraction got down to about 22, which I was in heart failure bad. By the next morning, they figured that out. By the time I was going in to get a heart catheter, my ejection was down to 12. I was nosediving and sort of at the one-yard line of, where do you want to be for your family and your future? As a family man, Triple H got emotional talking about his medical emergency. Let me tell you, it's 99%. It gets real. We have three young girls, 15, 13, and 11. Suddenly, I come home. I'm a little bit sick, and their dad, who is strong always, suddenly is in the hospital. I don't know if they understood the consequences of it, but there's moments in there where when they're putting you out for 
stuff and you think, is this it? Do you wake up from this? That's tough to swallow. It makes you think differently. It makes you think differently about life. It doesn't make you any less driven for the things that you do, but it certainly makes you appreciate the things you, you have more. Your friends, your family. Triple H then confirmed he will never wrestle again because he had the defibrillator pacemaker installed in his chest. For me, as far as in ring, which I get a lot, I'm done. I will never wrestle again. I have a defibrillator in my chest, which it's probably not a good idea for me to get zapped on live TV. Stephen A. Smith's full interview Triple H premiered Friday night on Stephen A.'s World, which streams on ESPN+. Plus. Like I said, you can find the full interview on ESPN. That you could true if he says he has a defibrillator, yeah. Paul, um, Paul, you've done enough. You don't need to do anymore. You're a 14-time world champion. Two-time Royal Rumble champion? Royal Rumble winner? Yes. Yeah, Intercontinental. I don't think he ever had the United States, has he? No, that's the one title in WWE he's never held. And you married the boss's daughter and had three kids, so evidently you did pretty fucking good in your life. Yeah, basically these are Triple H's career highlights. He is a 14-time world heavyweight champion. He is a five-time intercontinental champion he is a two-time european champion he won the tag team titles he's a three-time tag team champion um one with stone cold two with Shawn michaels so they were tag team champs he won the king of the ring in 1997 he won the royal rumble in 2002 and 2016 he won the road to wrestlemania tournament in 2006 he's the seventh triple crown champion the second grand slam champion he's got three slammy awards in 1971 for best hair in 2011 he had the oh my god moment where the under kicks out of a tombstone pile driver against triple h at wrestlemania 27 i think you remember that we were in atlanta for that one triple h that tombstone Stone did the tub thing Undertaker kicked out. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Match of the year 2012 against The Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania 28. I was live for that. I don't think that was match of the year, but that's me. Uh, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2019 as a member of Degeneration X. He has not had a solo spot in the Hall of Fame yet, but I think we can agree that within the next year or so, he's getting a solo spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He does need to serve a spot after this and everything else. So, but bless that man. He's done a lot. He does a lot of good work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always liked him. I always have, always have, because you never heard any crap from him. Yeah, uh, he had uh, the Baltimore Sun called him the wrestler of the decade in 2010. CBS Sports said that in 2018 he had the worst angle of the year with Shawn Michaels against The Undertaker and Kane. That was their DX Brothers of Destruction. Uh, he won the IWF heavyweight title in the International Wrestling Federation. Uh, he had Feud of the Year in 2000 against Kurt Angle. He had Feud of the Year 2004 versus Chris Benoit. He had the Feud 2009 of the Year against Randy Orton. Feud of the Year 2013 versus Daniel Bryan as a member of the Authority. Match of the Year was 2004 against Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 20. He had Match of the Year 2012 against The Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell. He was the most hated wrestler of the decade from 2000 to 2009. <laughs> most hated wrestler of the year 2003 to 2005. So 3, 4, and 5. He was most hated wrestler of the year. Uh, mo he had uh, most hated Wrestler of the Year 2013 as a member of the Authority. Most Hated Wrestler of the Year 2014 with Stephanie McMahon. Uh, he was voted Wrestler of the Decade of 2000-2009. Wrestler of the Year in 2008. He was ranked number one at the of the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500 in the year 2000 and 2009. And he was ranked number 139 of the top 500 singles wrestlers of the PWI years in 2003. So yeah, I mean, what more can he do? Yeah, he doesn't need to do anything else. Oh yeah, he really, that, really doesn't. And that's just from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You look, you want, you want to go Wrestling Observer? What? He was voted Best Booker in 2015 with Ryan Ward. He had Feud of the Year 2000 against Mick Foley. Feud of the Year 2004 against Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels. Feud of the Year 2005 against Batista. Wrestler of the Year in 2000. Most disgusting promotional tactic in 2002. 
too for accusing Kane of murder and the necrophilia thing with Katie Vick. <laughs> Remember that. He was voted most overrated in 2000, from 2002 to 2004 and in 2009. So 2002, 3, 4, 9. He was the reader's least favorite wrestler in 2002 and 2003. Worst feud of the year in 2002 against Kane. Worst feud of the year 2006 with Shawn Michaels against the McMahons, Vincent Shane. Worst feud of the year 2011 against Kevin Nash. Worst feud of the year 2013 as a member of the Authority versus Big Show. Worst worked match of the year 2003 versus Scott Steiner at the Royal Rumble, which most people say Triple H sandbagged Scott Steiner, which means he no sold for him. So there's a lot of people say Triple H could have made that match great, but he chose not to because he's petty. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I don't know. Worst worked match of the year 2008 versus Edge and Vladimir Kozlov at Survivor Series. What the fuck? Worst match of the year 2018 with Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, and Kane at Crown Jewel. And the wrestling, he was inducted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 2005. He had good moments. He had shitty moments. Like every wrestler does. Male or female. <clears throat> Get it. Yes, he was loved. He was hated. Wrestlers, I mean, wrestling fans hated him when he was full time, but they loved him once he started forming NXT. That's where Triple H won back the fans with what he did with NXT. And people want to see him do more with NXT, but I don't know if he's ever going to go back to doing stuff with NXT. We know he's back in the office now, so he's still doing his talent relations and recruiting talent and stuff. But as far as him regularly running NXT, I don't know if he's ever going to do that again. I guess it depends on what he can do. He knows he can't wrestle anymore, but he can still be working the office and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that as well. Yeah. Well, Benny, you have anything else you want to talk about? I'm good. You got anything you want to add? Nope, I do not. All right. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, wrap up this week's episode of the Boochcast. Zach, I think you're taking time out of your busy schedule to join me. Look forward to having you back on uh, later this week. And um, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor. Anchor. Spotify. Spotify. Breaker. Breaker. Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. And iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there. Or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can check out all of our great YouTube content. We have uh, Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. We have archived watch parties, funny skits, holiday videos, all for your viewing pleasure. So make sure you hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you'll see when the new content is coming. We got new episodes of Dark Side of the Ring coming soon, as well as some archive watch parties coming soon. So be on the lookout for those. And of course, make sure you guys follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, July 30th for WWE SummerSlam. That's right. So make sure you're joining us for the biggest party of the summer. We're not quite sure we're going to work it out yet because I might be with Buff in Tampa. So I don't know if Buff and I are going to do something cool in Tampa or if I might have the team do something to get together. We'll figure all of that out. So I'll let you guys know. I'll keep you in the loop. But Saturday, July 30th, WWE Summer Slam. Join us. Also, of course, we'll have our... Uh, D&D show coming soon later this year as well, as well as the Boochcast booking battle between myself and Elvis Delinsky. We're going to find out once and for all who's the better booker man. And, of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. 
Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at with prizes coming soon. The first level you can donate at is for 99 cents per month. This is the level we have for listeners who want to help out the show but don't have a lot of money to spend. We know a lot of you guys out there are hardworking men and women. You got mouths to feed. You got bills to pay. Families to support. The last thing we would ever ask you guys to do is break the bank or sacrifice a payment or feel guilt tripped or pressured into having to donate money to this show. If the best you can do is just listen to the show and then spread the word by sharing the links, then you're already doing a great service for us and we value and appreciate that. But if you want to put a little skin in the game to help us out, you can donate 99 cents. Why? It's just 99 cents. It's not going to bother you. You're not going to miss it, but it'll help us out a great deal because every little bit helps us keep this show thriving. Also, we have the second level you can donate at, which is for $4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Everything that's sold to the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. Send a $9.99. Bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, with all the money we raise from this show, we put it back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use that money to feed this gentleman here ramen noodles and try... We're trying, folks. We really are. We are trying, we are trying, we are trying, we are trying, we are trying. (laughs) But it is a constant struggle because he's got no game to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.